0: Welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. I am your guest, Joe Brahms. And we're your
1: hosts, Parker Dillman and Stephen Craig. This is episode number 80. Our guest this week is Joseph Brahms. Joe received his Bachelor in Science at the University of Illinois in Computer Science. He's worked in numerous industries, including medical devices, security, professional audio, broadcast, and education. One central theme to Joe's career is successfully turning ideas into sellable products, ranging from an FDA-approved cardiac stimulator to a critically acclaimed instrument tuner, AP tuner. Cardiac simulator, or stimulator. Simulator. Simulator. It's, it's just a, simulator? It's just a heart a simulator. that stimulates. Simul-
0: <laughs> stimulates. It actually sends pulses into the heart. Into the heart? Into Yes, like right, right there, like voltage, uh, right there for cardiac arrhythmias. So they'd be sending uh, uh, okay. pulses in at a certain rate, and try to trick out the heart how it's how it's pacing and and figure out how how it responds. So some people with with bad hearts, they've got they have issues where they can figure things out. There's there's a field to it, and I just helped with one of the devices for that. So. Uh, but Hey, getting anything FDA approved is, is worth saying because that's just, you know, a hurdle unto itself. So,
1: right. Yeah. 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 It, 90% of it is getting the approval and the 10% is all the rest of everything else. Right.
0: Well, that, and you know, you, you're building this product and, and actually I was in the the, the room watching them use it and, you know, after all the testing and everything else, and it's like, okay, this thing has got to work. So, you know, that's, uh. That's an extra level of uh, you, you usually don't expect the engineers to do.
1: <laughs> yeah. you, you didn't use it on yourself, did you?
0: No, I did not. No, I did not do that.
1: <laughs> no, I you I tested do. it on the family cat. <laughs> yeah, there, there we go. Yeah, um,
2: that's, no that's no idea. idea. Yeah, people think that um, FCC and CE testing is hard. Oh. Yeah. What would FDA testing like? Probably yeah, 10 and, times and then there's worse. There's
0: reams and reams of documentation and all the fun things on the side that is, is, you know, it just, it just adds up. So you wonder why it takes so long to, to build these things.
1: And why medical devices cost so much.
0: Yeah. Why they cost so much. Exactly.
1: Right. So. Well, Joe's uh, about to uh, release a product, right? On am, Indiegogo. Absolutely. It's called uh, yep. Proto Bricks. Yeah. Uh, you want to tell us some more about Proto Bricks?
0: Proto Bricks. Yes. I don't know how to say it exactly to, to sell it the best, but yeah. So it's a, it's a um, it's a circuit building toy uh, with uh, using kind of like Lego um, uh, compatible enclosures to enclose all the all the comp- electronic components and digital logic and all the wires and everything. We tried to make everything uh, look like Legos and fit and feel like Legos. So it's it's actually been a long effort to get to where we are now. Actually, saying that we're getting to Indiegogo and actually going to be showing it to people has been like. A huge undertaking, and journey for me, because it's always it's been a, it's been a hobby for like the last seven years, and it's just kind of turned up and up and up as I've been as I've been working on it. But I had a lot of false starts along the way and kind of paths I went down that didn't work out. And one of the hard things is I started this whole thing just as a software engineer, which doing the all the software for that cardiac stimulator and all the all the other things I, I've done in the past. Uh, you know, not all that applied to Doing the circuit board design, firmware, although that wasn't as bad because with all the software, um, mechanical design, contacts, and all that stuff. The contacts was, was by far the hardest thing. It was just like getting this physically to all click together, and have all the electrical connections the way way you'd want a child to be able to put a toy together. That wasn't easy. So it was it was uh, yeah it was quite an undertaking. Um, but I should probably explain a little bit more, more about it. So basically if you think of a solderless breadboard, um, and this is, since we're talking to engineers here and hopefully ones that have used one before, you know, you've got your, you've got your solderless breadboard and you've got dual inline chips along the center there and you can put in your TTL logic or more complicated things now and microcontrollers and you've got buttons and knobs and, and whatnot. So that, so that you've got that center line and then you've got, uh, you've got, you know, your spring embedded, um, solidless breadboard contacts that you put your wires into and you build your network of, um, connections. So I wanted to kind of give that experience to, uh, kids, but you don't, you, if you just give them all that, you all of a sudden say, well, you need resistors here, you need capacitors and a voltage regulator. Well, let me explain voltage to you. And let me explain that you don't want to plug it in backwards because that's going to you know, bring out the magic smoke. Well, what's the magic smoke? Well, don't, don't do this and this and this. Don't tie two outputs together. All kinds of don'ts. So we kind of hold kids back from being able to um, uh, build with all these electronics for a little while because there's just too much ancillary gunk that you have to kind of get through at first. But the yeah. core concepts of, you know, um, AND gates and OR gates and shift registers and that, you know lighting all these things up, all that it, it, you don't you don't need you don't need a lot of math for that. You can get started on that right away as long as we get the other stuff out. So that was my idea: was I just wanted I want kids to build circuits, and you know, being a software, I always like you know being able to step through and debug everything. So I, I wanted to kind of have a debuggable version of a circuit, and to me that would mean you can see the whole state of all the inputs and outputs uh, at any moment. So you can kind of just see what it is. And uh, you know, you're not going in there with a multimeter or a scope. You don't, need, you, don't need, you don't need that stuff. Instead, let's just give them a row of LEDs for all the inputs and outputs. We'll even show them which ones are inputs and outputs as they plug in the bricks. And then they can wire it up. And there should be no way that if they miswire it, that they can smoke the board or, or, or do anything bad. Uh, everything runs at 3.3 volts. Uh so that's the idea, that's the promise is can if i build this product will, you know, how easy would it be for a child to do it? How mu- how much fun uh can they learn this stuff? Um, is,
2: that's that's actually something you mentioned yeah. was um like there's not a lot of math, which is true cuz it's boolean algebra, which is you have 0 to right. 1 and then a couple operators and that's it. Whereas right. it, whereas, you know whole even just whole numbers is 0 to infinity.
0: Right. Right, so, uh, and there's some things with, you know. <laughs> so, so it's, sort of, it's sort, sort of sort of. you're creating
1: a new definition for plug and play, right? Like, it literally is just click them together and you've got a circuit of some sort.
0: You've got a circuit, and it's, you plug anything in and it, it'll show you in blue if it's an input and red if it's an output, and it's bright blue, it's high, and if it's bright low, you know, high input, high. So it's, like, really quick. You can, like, see these things and just try them out. But you're actually giving kids, like, bit they're seeing every single bit. So you need to do a little bit of explanation like, okay, this is what a binary number is. This is, and here, and you turn the knob and you watch the number count from like, you know, zero to 15 and you're seeing the, the, uh, the bits flip over. Uh, it doesn't take long. Just turning in knob a few times to actually kind of figure it out. It it doesn't take that long. It, especially if it's hands-on, I don't think a kid's going to be that interested if you do everything virtually, like the, you, you could always build digital logic on a computer, but that lo- losing that hands-onness just just uh, takes it, takes the takes the fun of it away. It just kind of keeps it from learning those principles, like just really feeling them and understanding them. So, uh, you know, and not only that, but just building them into your Lego models and having it do things is just like it's just addictive. It's just like really cool to connect the things together, see how it works. So yeah, so we have to introduce bits, and uh, you know how stringing them together turns into a number. Uh, And how you can break those things out and, you know, tap the third bit of your your number and every fourth time a light goes off. Well, okay, so now they're understanding what, uh, uh, you know, is one, two, four, eight. They figured that out real quick because it's all kind of broken up for them to do that. Um, And then we try to, you know, try to give a... um, for every, like, kind of digital logic component, I tried to give, you know, a the Lego... Well, I can't say Legos, because it's not by Lego, but a le- <laughs> people understand People understand Lego. If I say another word, even brick, it's like, oh, you mean Legos? Well, yeah, I meant Legos, but I'm supposed to say the word brick here. So, anyway. Sure. Uh, so, I guess uh, it's better than
2: mini-mega-block.
0: <laughs> ultra <laughs> yeah, blocks. The, the brick that cannot be named here. So the brick in the neck cannot be named. Uh, <laughs> you know, you want... You wanted, so there's an analog for a knob, for a button, for a seven-segment display. Uh, and, you know, I, I skipped on, like, okay, we don't need to teach kids about binary-coded decimals right now. That's okay. They can learn that some other day. There's all kinds of other things that you can kind of, you know, fl- uh, you know flipping all the bits left or right because, well, this chip has it one way and this one has it another. Well, I wanted to make everything very, very organized, very simple, very consistent hmm. uh, compared to kind of, like, if you go plug in a bunch of um, uh, 7400 TTL chips, they all have just a random set of pins all over the place.
1: Yeah, and this one just grew that way historically. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, you got a shift register that has a pin on one side, and then, well, they put the rest up here. Well, that's that's nice for them I'm glad they fit it all in there but i I don't need to you know expose kids to frustration this early <laughs> in life that's that's, Come uh, on, that's don't crazy. you want to let them know what's, what's I don't down need to the road kids to engineering <laughs> frustration this early in life we could give them a few more years here guys yeah so so you know we we're gonna keep it simple and clean they can you can always graduate to to dealing with all those things and you know getting into arduino and and raspberry Pi and stuff like that and actually I can talk about a few things with how it'll interoperate with those things you know you know i kind of uh, yeah,
1: really like that uh, the idea of learning when you need it you know like like you're saying you yeah. kind of learn the basics and then w- you know bit flipping and things like that uh you don't necessarily need to go through you know you know like when you get a book and it has like 30 examples in the beginning and the examples are not things that you actually want to do they're things like here's an example on how to flip bits i'd be like i don't care until i do you know until i have something that needs it and i like to learn it at that point you know and so it seems like like, you can kind of finagle it with your your yeah it's like
0: listen yeah listen jimmy let me i'm gonna explain Boolean logic and then i'm gonna explain you know uh negative logic to you because you know sometimes we just want everything flipped upside down because it was more power efficient that way at, at one point in time there's all sorts of things that kind of just crept in everyone just accepts but if you have a clean slate uh, you can get rid of a lot of things, yeah. and it just really cuts down to the core. Uh, it makes it really fast to build circuits, too, because I, I even hide the power and ground uh, for the most part, where you're just plugging in. You're plugging on the brick. You get the inputs and outputs going up or down, uh, and I mostly put the inputs on the bottom and the outputs on the top. Why, why are the inputs on the bottom? Because those are closest to your, to your hand. So you've got all your inputs and your knobs and your buttons closer to you, and your outputs, you know, move up the uh, up the table as you're building things. So there's there's a lot of thought in the in the layout and the, the ergonomics of, of that. Yeah, the ergonomics. I mean, <laughs> it's, you're going to be Lego living brick. with this for a long well, it's time. A, it's a brick we cannot name
2: that is known for yes. not wanting to step on them. And you're talking about ergonomics. Yeah, there we go.
0: <laughs> well, maybe I should round them a little more. You know, so and and trying to fit, you know have them click into regular uh, Lego bricks. I mean, that's just a level unto itself that was usually you don't have this when you're building a circuit and you're doing an enclosure, you know, ha- having to hit those critical dimensions, trying to match that look and feel, uh, making sure it has the same holding strength. Le- Lego likes to call it clutch power. I, I think they just like <laughs> that to, is, to call it that. It's just is that also their trademarked? Own name. It, you know, it's not trademark. No one else copies them on it either. They just that's we, such have an awesome name. Power. It's an
1: awesome name. But here's the thing: like, yeah. what's uh, funny about it is like, they don't need an awesome name to sell. They have an audience already. Like, they're uh, they don't need to be like. Yeah. And now with Clutch Power, if, what are they going to get? <laughs> I, are they going to get a lot more people? As seen on TV with <laughs> yeah. extra Clutch Power.
0: I, <laughs> I think they did finally name a minifigure Clutch Powers or something like that. But <laughs> that's uh, you great. know, so now I can't. I don't, but if I use it in a purely descriptive sense. Uh, then I'm I'm allowed to say clutch power. I guess they are too when they're Actually, talking about. Can we make that okay. our yeah, code ahead. word?
2: I think we can. Yeah, let's we'll just make clutch word. Uh, clutch power the code word.
1: Okay, so uh, okay, the clutch power is the secret code word for this episode. Uh, if you email in the uh, the secret code word to podcast at macrofab.com, along with your address, we'll send some cool swag your way. Clutch power.
0: Clutch power. Okay. Let's sorry. Our, Continue. Yeah. Which, sorry. <laughs> which is incidentally around sixty grams of of holding force. So each each stud holds about sixty grams of holding force. That's what you need to get very close to if you want to feel and hold like a Lego. And then there's very particular like you know uh, dimensions you need to hold for for the uh, the stud diameter and the brick length and all those things. But it's very regular and and once you've worked on it for a long time, it starts to like become you part memorized. Of you. Right. Yeah, and unfortunately now I'm ruined because I I think in metric instead of inches simply because of this project. So oh, wow. everything is millimeters to me. I, it's just like you know, how far away is that? Oh, it's about a hundred millimeters. Everyone's like, what What are you talking about? Yeah, it's like I have no clue how far oh, that is. <laughs> okay, go across the pond and tell me that again. So yeah, so it, wait, so regulars are metric. You know, everything seems to be. Um, since it's, since it's you know it's Danish it's from Europe all the drawings that I see a lot of people always talk about the pitch being eight millimeters uh, which coincidentally isn't, isn't eight it's slightly less so you know there's if you look on a few websites there's people who've measured these things with calipers and micrometer micrometers and you know you, you've got you got to be more accurate than that if you're going to start paying for really expensive injection molds to you know yeah. make things compatible.
2: I always so, always saw it as it's um there's two units at least it's like
1: stud and height yeah. which is brick
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, yeah so I do okay so if I if I recall right the the brick height is it it comes out to be a nice even imperial number like,
0: nine point six millimeters that's nine point six and so you can break it into three three point two millimeters yeah and then this and then the stud pitch is the other one. Oh, this is a great fun fact so the stud pitch the other one. it's 7.986 millimeters which okay 7.986 millimeters compare that to what is the pitch on a sideless breadboard 2.54 millimeters okay mm. usually seen 0.1 mils okay those are exactly a factor of pi difference so pi pi 3.14 if you divide one by the other huh. so interesting instead of having you know Having your silos breadboard. I mean, that's another reason why it, it's it's better it's to, good to get younger kids if they're going to get onto this. Get don't start on the silos breadboard. It's too small for their hands. It's too small to see any symbols and anything. Um, you need to go 3.14 times larger, and it's it's the size of Lego studs. <laughs> there, then you can put labels on. You can put words. You can like you know, it's like way way bigger. So we can teach them how confusing Pi try...
1: is at a young age
0: yes exactly so start (laughs) explaining that's right uh i i tried to build the product like a prototype of it like the second iteration just with a silos breadboard and um it was like microscopic i I tried to put the symbols for like the and gate on there i'm like okay this is why they don't really put any symbols on chips uh because there's no room you can like barely see the orientation marker in the lower left corner and then you have like three numbers and the rest is like you have to like look in the light to see the rest of it. Um, so that was just like a hopeless cause. You know, uh, regular electronics are not meant for kids to uh, get introduced to it. They, they're meant for what they're doing. And, and this is like from 1970. Now everything is
2: even is, smaller. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's like dust, right? Yeah, so point, point 0.4 dust.
2: millimeter pitch parts and uh yeah. oh, to and it was just 40 mil by 20 mil and stuff like that yeah good luck parts
1: yeah.
0: right yes. Right. yeah it's like let me introduce you to your microscope where you see your circuit run on a postage stamp you're like thank you dad and <laughs> you know it's uh uh yeah so it needs to kind of be blown up into size that that works for them so that that was that was a fun thing to find um yeah yeah i don't know it's it's been a long it's been a long thing going through each iteration like i started this thing trying to uh, I thought, well, Legos are really hard to, um, you know, to be compatible with them. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to take a, a real Lego and I'm going to drill out the centers of it. And I'm going to put the circuit board inside the, the Lego. Then I can just avoid having to worry about injection molding and all those problems. So my first prototype, I was actually milling out the center of Legos and then trying to fit circuit boards in there. Uh, wow. Just do the circuit board. Do you have some and, pictures uh, of that? I. I do. I can, I can show them to you. And they're sad picture. Well, the first ones is like basically me with me with a drill, essentially, and like drilling these things out. And it looks, it looks like a five-year-old, like just having fun with a drill and his Legos. So that, you know, that's me at, you know, 34 or something at the time. Oh, trust uh, me. Probably every
1: it, one of our listeners has been in that exact same spot.
0: Yes, but not usually, you know, middle age. but here I am. Like, I'm taking my son's <laughs> Legos and I'm like, I mean, and actually I had my, my oldest son, he's, he's quite a bit older now. I said, okay, well, I explained to you digital logic on the chalkboard. Show me how you'd build this with Legos. And so he, I have a picture of him like using speaker wire and, you know, like really crude, like taped on like schematics onto like Technic bricks, uh, how he saw it. And actually it was really, it was really useful to see, you know, how, does a chi- how would a child look at it hmm. and connect these things together? Sure. Um, so yeah, so we drilled them out and tried to put them in and then I suffered with that for a while and, uh, then moved on, tried to not deal with Lego. So I did the Silas breadboard one again and said, now it's too small. It's not, it worked like I was able to get all the, the circuits working, uh, and reprogram the microcontroller, but I just knew in my heart of hearts, I need to make it Lego compatible for it to really work, you know, at that age. Um, so I went on as i kind of was stuck in like this kind of design Corner here, and I just had to wait a little while, and like let my mind free from it. I just had to walk away from it, and came back and kind of came up with what looks close to what you see now, which is this hub. It's really a solderless breadboard-looking piece. It's got six rows, six rows and twelve columns, uh, and the center columns are just like your dual in line, you know, straight, you know, your chips straddling your dual, you know, your uh, your solderless breadboard, and then just a row of LEDs and a row of I/O pins. And I put all of the brains into the hub, and actually we can talk about that in a minute, is the hub, because that's where a lot of the work went, uh, was in this, was in that board, and um, uh, it has one microcontroller that does most of the magic for the for the uh, the product, uh, and so. But what I didn't realize at the time as I was building it was, is, well, wait a minute, if I'm doing all of the, I, I actually am emulating the circuit in this microcontroller. It's like detecting all the bricks on top, and because I'm detecting all the bricks on top, I can, I have like if you want to, like, make a string of um, uh, bricks in the center, like, have a different meaning, you have complete control over that in the microcontrollers, in software, So in the firmware. So, so we, we introduced some really cool concepts like these extender bricks where you can take a counter that instead of counting, uh, you know, up to, uh, you know, two bits, you can make a count six or eight or 12 bits. And so you just move this one brick on the right side, and it just extends your brick. Uh, and if you want to add a reset pin, well, you don't need it to start with. You were just talking, Stephen, about, like, well, you just add things when you need it. Uh, you don't need every brick that has state to have a reset pin on the, on the on the brick until until you really need it. So uh, if you want to, you can have a modifier brick on the left side of your your kind of main, main logic brick, and it can be a reset pin or an alternate function or... I, you I, was, just thinking the, you I was just covers. thinking
2: to reset it, you would just unplug it like pull the brick out and put it back in
0: yeah you, you can totally <laughs> do that you can do that but this way you can like reset it with a button so that can be triggered different ways yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and one of the circuits that's in the video is like and, and not only that but i use the reset to like hold it like if you hold the reset down then it will like basically turn off all the outputs so which is kind of normal
2: yep uh, but, but high you can use that to your advantage. On, on reset Just, uh, yeah yeah
0: high z- essentially um so you know now you can kind of take advantage of that on some of your circuits to make the, the everything really compact. You know, how much can I fit on one hub? How much can I fit on two hubs? So, um, Which, coincidentally, the hubs are 96 millimeters. See, I'm still thinking of millimeters here. Hmm. That's as far as 96. I, I only had a limit to it. When I started this, I started with the Eagle freeware uh, version, whatever. And you, you were limited to 100 millimeters. So I I built this thing uh with 12 studs across because i only i, I could only fit 12 studs worth in in, in eagle freeware <laughs> obviously i've gone way past that so i could have bought the i eventually did i bought the main version of it but uh um oh you didn't but 12, want to redesign studs seems
1: about right nah
0: <laughs> what's that
2: so you didn't want to redesign it
0: i i didn't want to redesign it, but actually 12 is about the right size it's kind of like the size of a cell phone and it just feels right. You can always put more on the side. I mean, maybe it will come out with a sixteen down the road. I mean it's gonna add to the cost, but maybe maybe be worth it, right? Like it's like twenty five percent more. But if you gotta have, you know, you wanna cram a little bit more on there. Uh, I don't see why you'd wanna go too much smaller. Maybe if you wanted to pack a really small circuit into your spaceship or something, you know, maybe an eight eight column version would make sense. But uh twelve is you can build a lot of stuff, but the whole thing actually can branch out from there as well. So you can add as many hubs as you want. So it, it ends up not being much of a limiting factor mm-hmm. uh, anyway. So, so it's, it's very modular. I'm a software guy. So everything had to be extremely modular. Like the hub is a, also considered a regular brick and it's very recursive and, Maybe like three people in the world will appreciate that down the road, but uh, (laughs) it made it made all the programming simpler, made all the organization of it simpler. So, yeah, you were talking earlier about the
2: um, the the platform. What was it called again? The base plate. Oh, the hub, the hub. Yeah, the base plate. I call it the
0: hub. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so
2: what's the hardware and software running on the hub? What's what's under the hood or under the brick, so to speak?
0: under the brick is a, it's a silicon labs uh 32 bit uh arm microcontroller that's the gecko uh, right yeah that's the gecko you got it efm32 yep. um it's treated me really well um i've uh i've used it for a long time and it has done a ton of stuff for me so it, i and i ask a lot of it too so i'm really pushing the limits on it. i've i've written to silicon labs and I'm, i've actually got a blog post that they're going to put up eventually just me saying basically you know, this thing has done everything I need in 64 pins. I'm able to do all the I/O for the uh, all the the edge of the hub is just GPIO with uh, series series resistors to protect it. Uh, so those are just kind of like directly connected. But then uh, the center of the uh, the board needs to do um, it needs to do UART uh, at any one of the positions. It needs to be able to do a voltage uh, or a resistance reading. Uh, in any one of the uh, pin locations uh, Mm. kind of spanning the two columns. So that's a lot of pins and a lot of, like, circuitry in there. I had to neck it down considerably. The way I did it was I have two low-ohmic analog multiplexers that kind of, like, basically scan the center two rows across, and it does all the voltage readings, or it talks over UART to something that's uh, on the the brick. (laughs) Uh, and it does that uh, like really, really fast. I mean, it's going it's looping through. I think I'm down to like refreshing the whole board in like five milliseconds. so it's like going through there and oh, that's plenty less than a, less than a less than a millisecond for each pin. I'm turning on ADCs actually, it's way less than that too. it's probably a hundred microseconds. Turn on ADCs, take a measure, move on to the next one, talk over you listen to the response. um so it's it's chugging on that. so that's 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 called the downlink. Uh unfortunately it points upwards, so I'm I'm forever ruined with the naming idea. It's, naming is everything in, in the programming <laughs> and so you end up naming it the wrong tree. Oh but the downlink points up. Ah, oh, this is this is bad. <clears throat> but anyway, um You just moved to Australia uh, and it'd be fine. Th- that's it. You know? Uh, yeah, I think exactly. Exactly. Talk to, to to the guy down there. Uh so So anyway, it scans across there. I also have to control all the LEDs, Uh, and there's 24 RGB LEDs. I wanted to control the intensity, too. I didn't want to use too much extra circuitry for that. Um, I might at some time have to, you know, add a little tiny little microcontroller. But right now, this one microcontroller is doing, like, pulse width modulation on all of those on three banks. I have some— Do you know the speed uh, of that microcontroller? Yeah, What's it's twenty-eight megahertz. Twenty-eight megahertz. Okay, I'm pretty sure. I think you can do thirty-two with a crystal, which I don't use. Um, so I could throw a crystal in there and then I get thirty-two. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm going I'm ripping through these uh, LEDs. I'm like going through this interrupt like twenty thousand times a second, and it's holding up, pumping out all these bits to these uh, uh, these LED uh, driver chips that I found, and I've got three of them on the board right now. Uh, I might consolidate down to one. But yeah, the, it's like the, the the center, this the Silicon Labs microcontroller is like doing all the work. It's getting everything done. So I'm super happy with that. I've I've written to Silicon Labs and said, guys, this is this is wonderful. So what's so inside done a lot of other work with that? Oh
2: so so what's inside
0: the yeah, bricks then?
2: So if, if that's doing yeah, the, that's the brains. So, yeah, what's what's that's the brains. Like what tells so it that's an AND gate?
0: <laughs> yeah. So for AND gates you have one precision resistor. Dun, dun, dun.
2: That's oh. it. Oh, so it, there's no power or anything. It's just.
0: No, there's no power. So it's one precision resistor. And when the hub reads that, then it interprets everything for, based that, on that. Gotcha. So that it's makes not a lot of sense. Power. It saves. It, it's like, like to, okay, so I, I'm also writing an article plug here for all about circuits. Uh, explaining a little bit of that. Um uh, you know, the reason why I did that, because there are, you know, well, maybe you want to run your end gate at uh, 25 megahertz and, you know, regular CMOS AND gate could easily do that way more. Um, but you know, even on a solid breadboard, you could get, you know, megahertz out of it, but you know, for a kid running a circuit, they don't need to run at 25 megahertz. I mean, the, what are the lights going to be doing? I mean, they're going to be counting, like, it'll be just, just be a total blur. I might as well just show them a blur. Uh, it's, <laughs> it, it's too, it's too fast to, to learn anything from, or, Honestly, I've showed it to kids running it at, like, 50 hertz, like the counter spinning up. They think it's crazy. Like, if you put a sound in there and it's like doing a Peso speaker at 50 hertz or 10, they're like, oh, yeah, that's how computers run, 50 hertz. This is, this is like, <laughs> going nuts. It's like so I say in the article, I'm like, I'm going to break it to them later. Look, you can run uh, a million times faster than this, actually more than that, uh, with a little more care. Uh, so, yeah, it's all emulated on that microcontroller. So that microcontroller, Esther, you
1: know, I was wondering how you yeah. prevented, or or what kind of voodoo you had in in the bricks, yeah. such that you prevented it if someone just turned it around and plugged it in backwards.
0: Yeah, there's more tricks because I can do two different things. I can I can like read a precision resistor or or a voltage. Like the knob is at one precision resistor and a potentiometer on the second set of pins, and so I read the I read the potentiometer on the hub, so the knob doesn't even know what it's doing. I mean, it's just it's brain dead, but it that's a good thing because if you put any real chips inside the brick you have to protect them like you said cost you've got to make sure it's a good product. cost yeah cost i mean uh sorry this this, this is a great product but it's going to cost you a thousand dollars for an entry-level set no you, that's not going to work you know so right. you got to like take every trick in the book to be a consumer electronic device and get it out there you know something that will you know a, it's gotta find that balance, that trade-off. So so this is an easy one for me. Cause it also the hub knows if it's an input and output, so it can change all the LEDs for it. It also, since it knows what brick it is, it can like tell that like back to a computer or a phone down the road, it can tell you exactly the layout of your entire circuit and all the bricks connected to it. So you could like see your circuit on a computer and like share it with your friend or something. Uh, so like we we like know everything that's running on there. Um, you could like slow down the circuit and do all kinds of crazy led effects with it. So there's a, there's a lot to it. I, it, it's actually really useful in this case to, to do that. Uh, you can talk over UART too. I was telling you that, and I do have to do extra protection. If you plug into power ground, you are, so it's four pins. It takes four pins. So like the seven segment display, it's using four pins there: power ground, send and receive. Um, and then I use a little Silicon labs, uh, um, it's an eighty fifty one, uh, it's you know, an EFM eight busy B yeah, to I mean, run yeah. the seven display, And, uh, and that's all I have in there. I need to, I need to add just a, a hair more, uh, protection circuitry and the final, you know, the final thing versus my prototype, but I can plug it in any direction and it, it will, uh, it'll, it'll be safe. It won't work if you plug it in sideways, but at least it won't damage the circuit. Like that's first do no harm. Um, I also, uh, I, I, the whole thing is built such that you, power and ground can actually be flipped anywhere. And I rectify power and ground uh, with uh, a set of uh, four MOSFETs. So even if you flip power and ground, it takes the power and flips it back. Hmm. So that's how we protect uh, power and ground there. Uh, and that's how I can plug in um, like a seven segment display on every column. Because the bottom of the center rows is just power and ground alternating. That's all it is. It's just power and ground alternating. So the, whoever plugs into it, has to like tap into it and be like, okay, I can just take these two pins and rectify it and now power up. So, so yeah, a lot of a lot. That's why it's taken me so long. It's been a lot of. It's like a puzzle, and I've had to do a lot of tricks to be able to like geometrically make it all work out all the pins all that stuff man it's, it it takes a while
1: <laughs> yeah yeah
2: so uh, speaking of of you know how long it's taking because all the challenges and stuff like what about yeah. mold design because you were talking earlier about like how precise you need yeah. to make your plastics to yeah. to get the uh what was it um the clutch
1: clutch power clutch, clutch power. power yeah yeah And um, Le- lego lego is legendary for their plastic molds yes Their molds are incredible.
0: They're very tight. So you know we we need to we need and we're going to be judged, on at that level, right? If it doesn't fit right, if it feels like uh, you know a Lego clone kind of feeling to it, a Duplo block, it's not good. (laughs) The the brick that shall not be named again. I don't know, whatever. So you don't you you want to be a you want to be the
2: brick that cannot be named. You don't want to be the mega. Brick that can't be named
0: <laughs> or do block, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, you know, you really need to hit that kind of, uh, that's what, you know, it's going to We want a compatible with Legos. It's got to fit and, you know, click and snap into place just like that. So we need to hit the tolerances uh, just like they do. Uh, we think we can do it uh, right now. Everything that I have. And so for all the videos, excuse me, all the videos and everything, the, the examples and the pictures, I was able to do everything with 3d printing. That's
2: what I was about to uh, ask is how do you – how did you prototype how do, this stuff? How do I iterate? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, well, first I a drill, but that didn't work. Yeah. And, and then and speaking uh, of then that, Speaking of
2: that, did you like yeah. get your kids Legos or did oh, you yeah, actually – Oh, yeah. I totally steal it. Yeah. So they, he's they got – his pirate me. ship well, is no, missing they don't me. a part.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> probably, probably missing a lot of parts. <laughs> Well, okay but there's a good side to this and you wouldn't Re- so I'm telling my kids don't worry don't you know there's all these set- there's Lego sets coming in I'm like don't worry it's a business expense they're like yeah, we're gonna get this eventually so I' was like oh, <laughs> oh yeah yeah. And in the video, the kids, my kids, ended up building a bot, uh, a bunch of the the, the uh, examples. Even my two-year-old built one of the uh, racetrack cars, and that was the one that won in the video. So they're just like, "Ah, oh, John's won, yeah." So they they're the, they think that's super cool. So you know, Legos are are fun. They're they're playful, and so uh, yeah. So 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 yeah, I have a, like a million Lego parts here to just you know understand how they have all their stuff click together, feel like all the different types. I mean, the other thing is, is that this set is really meant to be like used with Legos, uh, like all the supporting structures and, um, you know, lifting the hub off of a plate and like, you, you want to use Legos kind of as, as your enclosure, as, you know, adding on to these, these proto bricks. So, uh, arches make excellent, uh, wire ties. So like you can just like push and put an arch down, and it like ties down a bunch of the the uh, the wires that are kind of flopping around. I made the wires look very much as close as I can to like uh, Lego rubber hoses. I uh, that that was kind of my inspiration. So like you know you want them to be able to fit in like you know minifigure hands and be tied down by arches, and um, you can actually put little um, clear Legos like one by one le- like um, whatever you call them cylinders and all the all the cu- Polycarbonate, but you don't tell kid that. But clear Legos, transparent <laughs> Legos, um, they can go in those those LED rows of the hub, and so it'll light those up. So there's 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 a, there's, a, there's a lot of lights oh, and sounds Custom and light the,
2: pipes. Yeah, there yeah, we go.
0: exactly. Custom light pipes. So I'm just like, yeah. Where is this? So this is something I, you know, is kind of missing from the Lego ecosystem that we're 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 uh, we're adding onto the side. But you, it's still good to have a big pile of Legos to to build into to all this stuff. Uh, so, yeah, I see it as complimentary. Um, where were we? So we are drilling Legos and then we were milling them. And then uh, I even had a machinist do some of the first, um, when I was still in my first iteration, like help me with trying to uh, mill out just basically raw plastic. Because, yeah, building injection molded, injection molds before you're ready is like deadly. You can't pay for that. That's in, And even more so six years ago. Uh, they've actually gotten a lot cheaper uh, over that period of time. Uh, after iteration two, I looked again, I said, how am I going to make this work? And 3d and 3d printing really hit the scene. I mean, at least I found it. Maybe it's been around for a long time. I remember, I remember seeing a million dollar machine in my college, like 20 years ago, but you know, now it's like, you can, you can order stuff on shapeways for like three, four bucks. Yeah. And I can just order a whole slew of things. So I use SketchUp and shapeways and I was getting shapeway boxes. I could have had my own printer if I wanted to but I, I don't think I could have got, gotten as well as shapeways. They do an excellent job mm. plug for shapeways there. Um, they're very, it's very accurate down to a 10th of a millimeter. Uh, not any better than that. At least I can tell. Uh, but they're they actually, that was for the, their like basic plastic version, uh, the, um, flexible, uh, version. I think they have some, some ex- more expensive ones that you can get down to like, uh, three hundredths of a millimeter, something like that. That's that, but those are those are pretty pricey like if every single one of your parts costs 20 or 30 bucks it starts to get it starts that up so I was able to do it with like three four dollar parts over and over again and we were just i was just getting a stream of shapeways boxes actually like my entire office is organized by nothing but small shapeway boxes like all my components are in just hmm. uh, the, getting getting everything uh shipped here uh I use sketchup which i don't know if you guys are familiar with that oh, yeah. I use that for a long time OK, that's great and all for a while. But after you get serious about like really like fighting every little angle and, <laughs> and everything, it yeah. was like it was starting to like kind of weigh down on it. So I, uh, I moved over for, for a short while to Fusion 360, which I think is still trying to get into prime time. And uh, and then SolidWorks, uh, I was actually able to uh, nice enough. SolidWorks gave me uh, they, they put me in their their um, entrepreneurial program. Uh, and I have that on the press release. Basically they gave us, it gave us a free copy of all of their software to be able to design this. It was after I showed them a pretty late stage prototypes. So this is like one year ago. Um, and Oh my gosh. Okay. That is a tool meant for people to actually build uh, stuff, you know? Yeah. actually build stuff and like suffer through all the dimension and like rebuild. I mean, it like recompiles everything. You can go back to the first sketch and like it'll, it'll do it all. And I'll never learn it all. Honestly, it, it's so many tools because I'm dealing not only with like, you know, the firmware and the ID, but I'm dealing with the PCB design. I'm dealing with the mechanical design. Uh, I have stuff talking over the computer. I mean, you just how many tools can a person learn? And just after a while, I'm just like, I can't. This is it. I'm maxed out. This is it's got to work with what I got. So I, I kind of held back from learning more tools because every time you try to pick up another tool, it's like, well, there was a month gone trying to, you know, figure out. How they really wanted you to do it. How to, so, put, but solid how was, how to put a contour really awesome.
2: in like on a, a, a fillet in Shapeways, not Shapeways, um, a SketchUp. SketchUp. Yeah, oh, that's is, a plugin. No, that is the most frustrating thing, yeah. period, to do in that software, piece of software
1: it's rough.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to trash sketch up too bad. They'll probably come back to me or something like that. But honestly, <laughs> it's great for boxes and rectangles and like if you can just press things in and out, I could I kind of learned it all, but curves and geometric shapes it's just not it's not meant for that. It's not parametric. It's like nope. just triangles. So, right. it, it, you know, you can't really go back and then rebuild from what you you know, if, oh, the dimension's really not 7.986, it's 7.984. Oh, well, You know, there's a month gone. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, time uh, to redraw. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, so yeah, so SolidWorks is pretty awesome. They have tools for injection molding too and seeing like what's the right draft angle and thickness that you can handle. Um, I haven't gotten into the plastics so much, but the visualize has also been really helpful. Being able to like make a 3D rendering of your parts and then show them to people, they get super excited. It doesn't take... And Legos always look cool, anyway. So, like, if you have this kind of like modified thing, this is kind of like tech Lego electronic thing. Oh, it's just it's just some of the three D renderings uh, they really pop. So, so that's been really helpful getting people excited about this.
2: So, another another challenge um, that you mentioned earlier in the podcast was the contacts between different yeah. modules stuff. So, how did you so explain how the contacts worked? The the, the electromechanical stuff.
0: Yeah, so I made a really uh, bad choice, uh, kind of in the middle, uh, design choice. And this is always why, you know, you always learn, well, when you make a cho- you know bad design decision early, you pay for it for a long time. Well, I thought for a w- long time there, I really needed to use um, copper, uh, basically really thin copper sheets pressed over plastic to make this thing cheap enough uh, that you could actually sell it and, like, give it to, you know, make it— Uh, a real product, as opposed to just like, you know, a one-off thing. And um, uh, I I have, and I could show you more pictures of this, but I had for the iteration three, I had, I have a whole set of copper uh, foil uh, tape and copper sheets that I was trying to stretch over, kind of press over uh, 3D printed plastic. And it worked, it worked, but it took me hours and hours to be able to like it looks I mean it looks like something it looks like this like uh, p- picture of like uh, like gold foil from like a satellite or something uh, it looks really weird like seeing like this intermediary steps of like building these things with these copper sheets um, that didn't work so well so I eventually went to uh, another idea that that started to work better uh, which was I was going to use spring-loaded pins everywhere. But I was going to also uh, pull the studs together with magnets. So I would have like kind of these ring magnets. They wouldn't be in the way. They would be part. They would be like hidden inside the brick. But I'd have rare earth magnets like north and south, like snap and pull the parts together. And so that would add extra clutch power uh, <laughs> yeah. to the uh, to the uh, to the, the brick. And it'd be like, you know, it could extra extra holding force. You for of super them. Clutch super, cu- super clutch power, super cut, super clutch power. <laughs> so, so I did that for a while and actually, um, uh, you can see that in some of the pictures I have, I have gold discs on the top. They're pressed down exactly on the, the, uh, uh, on the hub, uh, and on the jumpers. Um, but they're, they're, they're rare earth gold discs with, with, uh, you know, gold, not gold, but they're gold plated. Uh, and then I have, I have basically electricity going around them and then down over a spring loaded pin, uh, onto the board. Yeah. Pogo pin. Um, that, yeah a pogo pin po- i in the end though i i i need to make it like a stamped metal part, and so that's like that's where we are right now is having stamped metal parts uh because those you can like you can you can put out if we get the right quantity you those things the t- price on them just like totally goes down hmm. uh and we can solder those directly on there like a deep drawn stamped metal part, and that will be the, the kind of the the gold uh center of each of the studs. Um, which will be the contact and it'll go down into the board and then underneath I can either use pogo pins to, to connect to it or um, or I can use like a spring finger or another stamped metal part that has some springiness to it and that's what's going to to be the contact on the bottom um, so that's uh, right now i use a lot of pogo pins uh, for the for the bottom contacts and so that works fine but you know we're just trying to get it uh, to be that right mixture for for being able to get this at the right price point, so it's um, it might be overkill to a degree. So we'll we'll see. It's uh, well, it'll, it'll something you guys on quantity, will probably right? be helping me with soon. What's
1: that? Qu- quantity will kind of dictate that.
0: Oh, quantity dictates everything. Yeah, this has been <laughs> a real lesson here. It's like yeah, it's like every everything is possible as long as you have you know X dollars to start with. So you know that that curve going down. um, uh you know really really dives down and so you can see uh, i don't know if you saw the stretch goals but like i can really add more to the sets if we can get past two three hundred thousand dollars once we're once we're up you know past a half million then the price is really you know they become reasonable that we can add more parts to the sets Mm -hmm. so like it's in everyone's best interest to like show their friends and like get this to a quantity that we can really make a compelling set with um if we get to eight hundred, I think we have uh, we have a rechargeable battery instead of just plugging in over USB. And then at one point two, we have Bluetooth, so you could like your phone could like see your circuit, and like you could make you have your own digital scope right there on your phone or your tablet or something. So you could you can kind of like see what's going on, um, share with your friends, things like that. Yeah, so Blue there's King, some there's DLA, some cool things. Pretty sweet, yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, we gotta, we gotta go big here. It's gotta, I mean, it's, you know, it, it's, 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 it's one of those things that hopefully it'll, it'll catch people's attention and say, okay, these guys have something and, and share it around. So, so that's the trick. I mean, I've been, I had a prototype mostly working at the end of last year and it's been this, like the last six months building up for the video, the video shoot the summer. And then, like getting everything ready for the crowdfunding. And a lot of times you have like a whole team building this, but it's been mostly on me as a hobby, like on the side building. And you, I don't know, uh, Parker, I don't know if you remember talking to me, but I was talking to Brandon Knight like three years ago and he's like, well, when's this going to be done? And I'm like, ah, oh, six months from now. I'm yeah, sure I remember that.
2: Done. I remember that.
0: And Yeah, you know, it's no problem. No problem. How, how hard can it be? <laughs> and it's just like, okay, he's one of those guys. He's just going to drag this on, isn't he? And, you know, so no, man, was... maybe maybe you had a running bet if I was ever going to finish this or not. No, I don't know. I'll put it
2: this way is is <laughs> we started talking to you at our first location, and we've moved Macrofab yeah. twice since then.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I moved once myself, so it's been, yeah, it's been a bit of a road trip here. Uh, yeah. So I was like, bro, I, I saw you guys on wired, like right when that came out and they were talking about, you know, you dropped the, 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 the price for being able to get a, so my early iterations, I was paying like a couple thousand dollars for the prototype circuits and, you know, to get 20 of them made. And I'd be like, well, I don't need a hundred. I don't need a thousand. I need 20 of them. And they're like, well, that's not, you know, it's only an extra $5. You can go from 20, but you could have a thousand. i There's no way it's going to be, you know, I need more than that. So you know, the the cost of uh, you know being able to have circuit boards and then have them populated and shipped to you has like been a total enabler for this whole product. I mean, I started without that even existing. So it would in the middle of it, thankfully, uh, you guys came in and and helped out because it it wouldn't be there otherwise. Very cool. I remember that
2: Wired article um, mainly because the picture of Chris Church, who's our CEO. He looks on purposely just like Steve Jobs. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Did they try to do that? Did they like, I know, they, that, like, no. like cut out? Like... No, he's, that's the picture
2: he sent them. <laughs> oh, I see. So I always make fun of yeah. uh, fun of church for, for that picture.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'd give him some nicknames for that, I'm sure.
2: As, as long that's as he true. doesn't wear a turtleneck, I'm fine.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, there's been some other turtleneck wearing... Executives in Silicon Valley. I don't think they've they've been you know, they don't get, they don't get as much reverence as Steve Jobs. So. No, no, no,
1: no. So uh, the Indiegogo. When's it going to launch?
0: Yeah. So uh, the launch is August fifteenth on Indiegogo. Uh, like eight a.m. We're we're live. We're showing everybody. Uh, it's going to be really exciting. I can't wait uh, for everyone to see what I've been working on all this time. Uh, you know, it's we're going to have stuff on YouTube, obviously, and and all the other social media, Twitter. Uh, but you know the main thing is Indiegogo. Check out the sets, see uh, see see what you like there. You can even if you don't want to buy one of the sets, just support. Uh, we actually have a little uh, the maker group in in um, Madison, Wisconsin suggested I need I need it I need a twenty five dollar twin trinket, something to kind of get people that you know don't want to buy a whole set or whatever. So we made a little um, Proto Bricks flashlight that you just plug right into a uh, a nine volt, so it'll look like a two by four brick, and then it'll have one of our little i r dishes on top of that, so it's like a little parabolic dish on top of that. you're in Madison, yeah, I'm close to Madison, kind of halfway between madison and and look Le- and lacrosse okay, okay. I know
2: that's um I know um Ben Heckendorn who's in Madison yep yeah yeah
0: i i I know a guy who's been helping him out with some stuff with uh, some of his shows hey so. yeah, just go uh' just go bug 'em. <laughs> <laughs> I should just go bug him, like punch him in the shoulder kind of thing? Yeah, hey, yeah. Just show up shop.
2: yeah. Just show up at his shop. <laughs> Have him build okay, some Okay, proto- well, bricks. I should do that. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, I'll bring some protobricks. As a, yeah, as a so reason.
2: so where can – so this Indiegogo campaign, we'll put a link in the description for that. Um, is there a website people yeah. can go to?
0: Yeah, uh, so protobricks.com, we'll point you there. So definitely protobricks.com, or if you just type it in into Indiegogo or on Google – I, I think everything is just going to funnel right into there. So, uh, you know, we try to make a unique name that's that uh, there is a Pro-T Bricks that looks like an energy bar, but we're going to like totally take over the name Proto Bricks and every variation of it. Uh, no energy bars. We want to be circuit building Lego compatible bricks on Indiegogo. How many more times can I say that? I don't know. Well, it's it's kind of funny <laughs> because you're,
1: you're still kind of fits in the energy bar, like, Category well, in a way,
0: electrons. There might upper, be some, in a, yeah, you know, yeah. in a bar, yeah. a plastic bar, exactly. Yeah, maybe there is something to that. I'll have to do some co-branding.
1: Well, that's awesome. I, I hope it. I hope it uh, goes really well for you.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, all right, you said there was some sort of uh, some sort of game or something. Is this the is this the thing? Yeah. yeah. So
2: this is something we've never tried before. Um, okay. This is called Stephen's Game, where Stephen's going to ask a okay a question. And you, it's, okay. it's, a, it's a, going to be open-ended question, and you just have to answer it any way you want. And we, we will all answer.
1: Right. So you will all we, we, we yeah. kind of thought, okay. you know, it'd be fun to have a little bit where we just kind of toy around with an idea here. And you're going to be okay. the guinea pig. You're the first, the first guest to play Steve's game. Okay. Uh, and there's right, no right. right answer. Okay? Right. So I'm going to present you. Well, as with, long as you answer the question. Well, yeah. sure. There has to be an answer. Yeah, there case. has to be a answer. Uh, so, I'm going to present a situation, and you present okay. a solution. Okay?
0: okay? Okay. So,
1: for the very first Steve's game, you have a room full of balloons. How do okay. you get rid of the balloons?
0: Uh, kill them with fire.
1: Blowtorch. <laughs> a perfectly acceptable answer for the very first yeah. Steve's game. Yeah.
0: yeah. Kill all oh, of see, them with fire. That's, that's it.
1: So, how would with you fire. solve that problem? You know, OK, so it's funny because Parker and I kind of we cheated a little bit because uh, hopefully in the future, what I will do is I'll present a a situation that Parker has. You already
0: heard. know it, dude. You've been thinking about it for like all
1: day. Well, wait, wait, actually, this one we've had for like weeks. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah but but, but I, okay. I literally just came up with a different solution than I've had for a couple of weeks. I would actually pull a vacuum on the entire room. I would seal the room and pull a vacuum until everything pull just exploded. Oh, blow up. the. You're balloons. not in the room. Hopefully. Well, I mean, that, that wasn't necessarily part of the scenario, but it gets rid of the balloons. It gets rid of the balloons. <laughs> of the balloons. <laughs> That's true. So, Parker. Yeah. How would you get rid of the balloons? I would
2: probably throw cats into the room. Another
1: completely ours, acceptable yeah. solution. <laughs> yeah. And then just pop the balloons. Well, so, what I like about this is we have three separate solutions that guaranteed get rid of all of the balloons.
0: Can you combine the solutions? That's the question. Does that make it more effective? So a flamethrowing vacuum cat
1: <laughs> that gets rid of <laughs> balloons.
0: Yeah, that would be the fastest
1: way to get rid of all the balloons. There
0: would be, certainly. And that was Steve's <laughs> game.
1: There <laughs> you we'll go. We'll play jingle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. There we go. Great. Look, look forward to more Steve's games in the future. And uh, I would like
2: to thank you, Joe, for being on the podcast
0: yeah thanks thanks for having me on this is great so super i love it this has been a lot of fun so i'll i'll close this out here that was macrofab engineering podcast i was your guest joe Brahms. and, and we we're here with our oh and we're uh, go ahead go oh. no no no
2: you keep signing us out you yeah. know
0: oh i gotta let you finish it otherwise it would be and these are your hosts parker, parker dillman and Stephen craig later everyone that work? take it easy yep that was perfect
1: Thank you, yes you, our listener, for downloading the show. If you enjoyed this episode, consider sharing it with your coworkers, your friends, your family, and your loved ones. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic that you want Parker and I to discuss, tweet us at Macrofab or hit us up on Facebook. If social media isn't your thing, the email is podcast at macrofab.com. If you're not subscribed to the podcast yet, click the subscribe button. That way, you get the latest Mep episode right when it releases. Do that last time, Oh come on, whatever. We don't. We don't. We don't. We don't do that shit here.